Well before the Industrial Revolution and the advent of the automobile, towns were organized in a very different way. If you go to many towns across Western Europe and England and Ireland and all over the place over there, and even in the colonies of America and the later stages of America, you'll see a church at the center of the town. Why? Because the church was the center of the community. People were married and buried there. People gathered there every week and beyond. And if there were problems in the community, the church bells would ring. They'd signal to the town that there was something wrong. There were even many towns where you could not build anything higher than the church steeple, signifying how important the church really was to the community at the time. But now we have cities with metal and glass buildings that stretch towards the heavens where people are disconnected from the realities of life and love and faith and community. My question is this, which seems, which of these seems more like the Tower of Babel and which seems more like a community of people with common interests? The church has a role in the community and in the nation. One of these roles is to sound the alarm when the government goes off the rails of morality, just like these old church bells ringing. Currently, most churches don't even have bells, or much less people who are willing to stand up for what is right and true against the immorality of this culture. I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. I still believe that to be true. I believe the soul is the breath, the life, and the essence of who we are. The soul is what makes us us. The soul of America is defined by the sacred proposition that all are created equal in the image of God, that all are entitled to be treated with decency, dignity, and respect, that all deserve justice and a shot at lives of prosperity and consequence, and that democracy, democracy must be defended, for democracy makes all these things possible. This week, President Biden gave a speech in which he claimed to be or at least represent the soul of America. But is this correct? Is he the leader? Is he, is any leader of the nation really representative of the soul of the nation? Or is there a problem with this whole foundation? Today, we'll take a look as we remember why America is different and what this speech claims for you and for me. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, your host as always, and I appreciate you tuning in. If you are just listening, I appreciate that, and I will try to describe for you all of the things that we see in video clips. If you want to see the video clips, and again, this may be an episode where a picture is worth a thousand words, you might want to see them, you can always go to churchpublic.com slash podcasts and see this episode there. I think it's available on YouTube as well, as long as it still is, which... Sometimes it isn't, sometimes it isn't. We'll just see how that goes. At any rate, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, or throw your phone out the window if you hate this. Either way, I appreciate you being here at this moment. So thank you for that. As I mentioned already, you can get more of this at churchpublic.com or you can subscribe at all of the podcast places. If you do and you feel like leaving a five star review, I appreciate that too. And, and, if this is helpful in any way to you, my goal is to do that. So you're welcome and send this to somebody who may be helped by this as well. I'm just trying to get the word out about what it means to live as you are following Jesus in this crazy world, which more and more seems like a difficult proposition. How do you live when this world is kind of turning against you? 
I want to help you with that. I want to help you. I'm going to, if you again, if you're not watching, I'm raising up the Bible here and showing you. I want to help you read this so you don't have to listen to me. You, I, I don't care if you listen to me, but I want you to read your Bible and I want you to learn these things for yourselves. And if I can help you point to the right direction of how you learn some of these things for yourself so that you can follow Jesus on your own, I want to do that. And I hope that is what happens. So today we're turning to we're turning to the government and we're turning to this we're turning to this thing where Biden gave a speech and he gave this speech and it was a really it was a really strong speech and on the one hand we hear that we want to have democracy in this country which I agree with though really really when you split brass tacks and get down to this it's not pure democracy because pure democracy is really bad. Mob rule, people with torches, the loudest and biggest group of people is always really, really bad. Everyone since the time of the Greeks and Romans knew that pure democracy was really, really bad for society. We're a representational republic, a democratic republic. However you want to state that, that's, how, that's what it really is. And... These definitions really do matter. I know it sounds like I'm probably splitting hairs, but the reality is if you don't understand these terms and you don't understand the way people are using these terms, then you might think, well, yes, of course I want democracy. Of course everybody wants democracy. But what they say is not necessarily what we, they mean. And we're going to get into that because it is important to understand when they say words, it doesn't always mean what they mean. So we're going to get into that because that's an important part that we have to figure out as we get through this. And before we even get to that, I just want to say this. We're going to turn to America here, and I'll say it again. The history of America is clearly a Christian one. I have spent a lot of hours talking about this. It's very clearly true. From founder to founder to founder, they almost all discussed the morality that is needed through the Bible, through Christianity, through Judeo-Christian faith. It, it, they almost all discuss that you need to have that faith in order to be self-governed in order to have the morality necessary to keep the nation in line. And even if I could take a 20-second detour into Scripture itself, Paul, as the founders knew, spends a good amount of time through most all of his letters talking about how we are supposed to have self-control. He includes this in almost every list of virtues that we're supposed to have, self-control. And self-government is not possible without self-control. You can even make the case that self-control and self-government are kind of synonyms. Regardless, today, before we listen to some of the clips from Biden's speech, which may have been the most inflammatory speech I've heard a president give ever, and that is not really an overstatement, but before we get there, I want to give a brief reminder about what the soul of our nation, and in fact any nation, is really supposed to be. And to skip to the end and give you the answer, the short answer to the soul of the nation is actually supposed to be the church. That's why I started with the story about the church and literally, physically, where the church was located in most of these towns before towns turned into skyscrapers and we have the internet. Before all of this invention and innovation, which some is good, the church is supposed to be the center of the community. And why is that? The church is the center of the community because there is more to life than just living it. 
There is, There are supernatural things. There are eternal things. There are beautiful and good things that come about in this life that you can only get through faith. It's just true. And you can argue with that and you can deny that and you can try to create other authorities. You can try to argue that we're just bags of flesh and meat that have no significance. And when you die, you die and there's nothing else. You can make that argument, but where do you get meaning? Where do you get intention? Where do you get love? Those don't come from pure material things. They just don't and they can't. The church represents the soul of your community. Now, of course, backing up into that, we have the word of God, and I'm not eliminating that. I'm actually basing my whole foundation on that. Who God is and his relationship to you, to me, and to the community is really the basis of this whole foundation. But in the community, the organization that functions in this way is the church. You go to church to be part of the community of believers that move in a direction towards God. And that's supposed to be the conscience of the nation or any nation. And here's how and here's why. The government is supposed to set up boundaries for freedom and justice and protection of its citizens. That is the role of the government. Read Romans 13. The government is given this authority by God and it can regulate morality through legislation. But the government, and here's a really important point, does not create morality. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. The government can and does regulate morality through every legislation that it creates, but it does not create morality. And that's the confusion that we are we, we are so in right now. The government is woefully incapable of creating morality because the government does not have any authority to do so in heaven or on earth. The government cannot say that you have to do something because they created the morality of that. When the government tries to do that, you get really super wacky laws. The government controls, they regulate the morality that's already there. And the founders, again, they knew this, which is why they said we're endowed by our creator with these rights. It's not the government that creates the rights. It's the creator that creates the rights. I'm just going to keep saying this until everybody gets it, which probably won't happen, but I'm just going to keep saying it anyway. Because morality does not come from the government. Morality precedes the government. Our rights, our values, our faith, our sense of right and wrong, they come from God. So it should be perfectly reasonable that the assembly of God, the church, this is the structure responsible for the morality of society because the church is the one that promotes this morality to the community. Without the church, I know, you could you could have your own individual religion. That's true, but that's not the way Christ intended it. The body of Christ, the gathering of the saints, these are things that all of the writers of the New Testament and even back through the Old Testament say are necessary. We have to get together. You can't have a religion with God by yourself. You have to have this community together. And there's reasons for that. I'm not going to get into that right now theologically, but it's important to understand that. The government, on the other hand, is not the same structure and shouldn't be. And every time the government tries to be the church, things go wrong. And every time the church tries to be the government, things go wrong. They're separate entities that are created by God to do separate things, but they are connected in the sense that the government is supposed to administer justice. If the church does something illegal, the government should administer justice. But the illegality has to be within the moral realm of God's kingdom. There's nuance there. 
if the government gets out of step and does something immoral and proposes things that are immoral and against the authority of God, the church has to be the voice of conscience, be the voice of, of morality and say, hey, this is not how it should be. And the incredible thing, again, that I believe our founders knew is when you follow Jesus and you're rightly ordered in your own virtues, this is the self-control part, and you don't act according to your vices, your own conscience, along with the body of Christ gathered together, serves to provide the moral backbone of the nation and the self-government necessary to run this country, as it was in fact intended with the Declaration and the Constitution. However, since the time and since those things were instituted, we've been moving fast towards another form of government. And I think most people recognize this. But instead of self-rule, we're now in a either a top-down oligarchy where a few powerful people tell us what we can and cannot do, or this democracy where the mob and the loudest voice rules. But this is all based on their own rule of law and their own morality, and that's just not right. This is what you may or may not realize when you notice there's this double standard on the elites. They get to do whatever they want, even when they make rules for you that are different. Or that some of the rules either don't make sense or are just authoritarian in nature. This is where we are as a nation because instead of the church speaking truth to power or truth to government and actually being the conscience of the nation as it was designed to be, by and large, the church has abdicated that responsibility and they've remained silent when the government oversteps its moral limits over the past several decades upon decades. And you can point to glaring examples of this, like abortion and marriage and spending and education. But as you go down and down and get into this, the list grows and grows further down this pile of laws. So now with that foundation in place of who the government is supposed to be and who the church is supposed to be, we can get to this speech. And it really seems like Biden versus America, or at least Biden versus the majority of America. It is perhaps the most inflammatory speech I have ever heard from a president, and many people have said this same thing. And you can point back to former President Trump and say that the speech he gave regarding January 6th was not fantastic. I can agree with that. But it was nothing like this speech on September 1st that President Biden gave. And even just looking to the trending tags on Twitter during this speech, things like satanic, demonic, pure evil were trending during this speech. This speech is a religious argument about the soul of America. I just played that clip for you, and I may play it again just so that you get a full context of what he's talking about. But he's not really even arguing democratically. He's arguing religiously. It is about the soul of America. He's lecturing as a religious leader. And what we need to do here is start with the imagery. So again, if you're listening, I really appreciate it. But in this case, a picture really is a thousand words, and we need to see some of these pictures. So this is the first imagery of President Biden, and this is a real picture. It's not photoshopped. Many people have talked about this, and everyone that I have showed it to is surprised at the very least. This is the actual photo. And if you're just watching, again, it is President Biden yelling, screaming, with his hands clenched up in fists. The background of the of the hall uh, in, in Pennsylvania is blood red. And then in the back, very small are Marines, and all you can see is their white gloves. It is, and, and then at the top, <laughs> at the very top, and I don't even know if you can see it on my screen or on your screen, but, but at the very top, there is these 
I guess it's a window or a clock tower. I'm not exactly sure. But it looks like where the emperor would be sitting. Anyway, whatever. This is the actual picture. And this is the actual image that the administration created to represent this moment in American history. This was crafted. It's not an accident that this photo happened. It's not photoshopped, though there have been many photoshops, and I'm not going to share most of them, but but this is the actual photo. And it's important that we recognize that this is the actual photo because this sets the stage, the theme, the feel for the entire thing. And to me, it harkens back to a bunch of other photos, scenes, themes, whether from actual history, and I'm going to try to actually avoid actual history because correlations to actual history that I would have to make are very inflammatory, and I'm just not going to do that, though you can draw your own imagination and conclusion. Instead, what I'm going to do is give you a bunch of movies where the villain is portrayed in a similar way, which may or may not be better, but this is what we have. So we have General Hux from Star Wars, where he is yelling and screaming about the rebels and basically stating that the Republic is no more, and now he's going to authoritatively, authoritarianly, I may have made up that word, destroy all all of the Republic. Uh, And, I mean, to me, it looks basically the same. If you have seen The Man in the High Tower, which is a fictional story, and a what-if the Nazis had won the war and taken over America and the world, this is... John Smith as the leader of the new Nazis, again, fictional, but interesting and mildly similar. Then you have V is for Vendetta, which again, to me, is is a fictional movie, but kind of looks similar. All right, we're going to we're going to get out of this and, and, and move back to reality. But but this imagery is just terrible. I, I, I don't I can't overstate the fact that this imagery is not great for the theme that is claimed by the speech, and that is unity. (laughs) To me, this image does not scream unity. All right. So we're going to look at some more clips here because we need to take a look at what was actually said. So I don't want you to take it from me. I want you to take it from Biden himself because what are we talking about? And that's really what we need to land on. Are we really talking about unity, peace, democracy, equality, or are we talking about something else? So this is very early on in the speech, and we'll listen to this. We, the people, we, the people, these two documents and the ideas they embody, equality and democracy, are the rock upon which This nation is built. Now, I agree with Biden in this 100%. Equality and democracy are some of the foundation of this democracy. However, this is one of the points that I need to make for you. Equality and democracy, as he says them, do not mean what he says it means. It is very, very important that you understand that. It's very important that you realize that equality and democracy are not the same thing that you would think equality and democracy mean. And I've gone through this with critical race theory, with other critical theories. Equality, when spoken of in this space, does not mean equality. It means equity. The difference is this. Equality means you and I are the same. Everybody in America is the same. In fact, you put in the hard work. You can go as far as you want to go. You have had challenges in your life to get to this point. We all have. But 
there is equal opportunity for you to put in as much hard work and take as much responsibility as you want to take, and you can go as far as your energy and smarts and brains lead you. You can go all the way. That's not equity. Equity is the other side, that we all have to have the same outcome, period. Doesn't matter where you started from. In fact, if you started from a disadvantage, we have to advantage you so that you can get to the end faster. That is equity, and it's completely different. And in fact, it doesn't make any logical sense. This is the Marxist way that has led to the slaughter of millions and millions of people over the course of a couple hundred years. For instance, just take a quick example. I've given this before. Me and Tiger Woods are not the same. We're never going to be the same. I'm never going to be that good of golfer. But he, equity means he has to be brought down so that we can be the same in golf. That's a quick and easy example of equity. And it goes across the board in all of these situations. And his version of democracy, according to Biden, is a different version as well. And really, when you get into the declaration... It's not about democracy. That's why I made such a big deal earlier about the fact that pure democracy is actually a terrible form of government. That means the most and loudest people win. That's mob rule. We don't want that. That never works anywhere and leads to all sorts of atrocities every single time. The Declaration of Independence is really about liberty. It's about Republican self-government. I just keep, I have to keep saying that again. Republican self-government is not democracy. It's Republican, representative, self-government. You are the one who elects somebody to represent you in the government. You are supposed to be self-aware enough and government-aware enough that you can help lead this whole place. That's not pure democracy, and it's definitely not mob rule, but it's not what he means in this equality and democracy. Really, and we'll go back to France for a second, the way he defines equality and democracy is more like the French right before the French Revolution. They said things like egalité, fraternité, liberté, and the, that's much closer to the equity idea, to the, to the idea of liberty, that everybody should be the same, brotherhood, fraternity, that everybody should be the same. This is mob rule. This is pure democracy. And as some of you know, who have studied history, the French Revolution did not go well. The, the whole like wall scene, uh, you know, in Les Miserables, that's not how it went. It wasn't great. Everybody died. It, like, and especially, this isn't even in the, the, the play, the book, the movie, the Christians all died. The pastors all disappeared because you can't have God and equity. Those cannot exist together. See French Revolution, Russian Revolution, Mao, China, Pol Pot, etc. So pure democracy, mob rule, eventually devolves into tyrannical leadership every time because mob rule cannot stand because mob rule gets out of control and leads to anarchy. And eventually a strong tyrannical leader will promise unity to you. And that quote unquote unity really means that the opposition just disappears every single time. Unity equals no one left to challenge you. Again, see French Revolution, USSR, Maoist China, current China, Pol Pot, etc., etc. So when Biden says equality and democracy, this is not what Biden means. He's talking about equity. He's talking about oligarchy or equity and mob rule. I don't even know, but it's definitely not the thing that you're thinking of. The people with the loudest, the people that are the loudest chanting and rioting in the streets, as we have seen over the past several years, decide what to do. And that is what we have seen. Look back at the past several years. The mob rule that we've seen, the people chanting the loudest, burning the most things down, that's the direction the government decides to go. That's not a good way to rule. 
as some of us have pointed out. So the Constitution and the Declaration are designed to insert checks and balances to government. They're designed to slow government decisions down, which frustrates the bejesus out of these people who are trying to run. They just think they know what is right and should be allowed to implement that willy-nilly. This administration is pushing that message, which is a very different message from the Declaration and the Constitution and what representative democracy really is. In this message, in talking about unity, everyone who does not agree with him is apparently bad and extremist. So at the beginning, it sounds like just the fringe activist right are the baddies. And I would agree, fringe activist people on both sides are baddies. But then very quickly we hear that the dissidents are actually more than just the fringe right. Let's hear a little bit about that. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Now, I want to be very clear, very clear up front. <clears throat> not every Republican, not even the majority of Republicans are MAGA Republicans. Not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with these mainstream Republicans. But there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. So we hear very threatening language, and we hear that there are problems with these MAGA Republicans, whatever those are. And he does actually start to define it in a moment. At first, he says in this clip, it's just the people on the far right. It's not everybody. Don't worry. I'm not talking about everybody. Just those extreme MAGA forces or MAGA Republicans or whatever those people are. Those are the bad people. And they're good people that I've been able to work with, he says. So apparently the people who are good are the people that he's able to work with, which I guess means the opposite is also true. If you won't work him with him, you're bad. So if you oppose him on anything, you're bad? Let's hear a little bit more. MAGA forces are determined to take this country backwards. Backwards to an America where there is no right to choose, no right to privacy, no right to contraception, no right to marry who you love. So wait. First, it's just the extreme fringes and the small fringe of extreme MAGA crowd, MAGA Republicans, whoever those people are. But now we hear it's anybody who's anti-abortion, it's anybody who is pro-traditional marriage, a man and a woman, presumably anybody who thinks a man is a man or a woman is a woman, anybody who believes in medical autonomy and not forcing every business in America to inject their workers or else they're fired. Um, is this, I mean... All of a sudden, it went from the small fringe minority of MAGA Republicans, whomever those are, to literally anybody who is conservative and probably most, if not all, Christians in America, and maybe even anybody who voted Republican in the last election. That's a huge jump. All of a sudden, he's just indicted half, if not more, of the entire country. Who are these, whatever, quote-unquote MAGA Republicans or MAGA Force or whatever these words that he's throwing out, and they are an extremist threat to the soul and democracy of America. This is a really huge indictment, and I don't want to understate this. He says this is an extremist threat to the soul of America, and generally, 
an extremist threat to the soul of America is handled by either arrests or even tactical strikes, as we've seen abroad in the Middle East for decades and occasionally here in country with other terrorist threats. These extremist threats, as other uh, presidents have talked about with these terrorist threats, have led to indictments, jail, and worse, because if it's that extreme, what else would you do about it? Then the question comes back to, again, who are these people he's okay with? Who are the good guys? What is the limit of the good guys? Is it just the people that he's willing to work with or are willing to work with him? And how many people is that? Six, 12, 20? I don't know. It's clearly not the people that he just listed that are anti-abortion and pro-family and pro-life and don't want to be forced into medication and maybe vote Republican. What is the limit of these quote-unquote good guys that he talks about? Who are the MAGA Republicans? Anybody who voted for Trump, pro-life, pro-traditional marriage? Uh, What about all this excess spending? And if you talk against the excess spending, does that mean you're not willing to work with him, which means you're against him, which means you are an extreme threat to democracy and the nation and the soul of the nation? It seems like the only people who are quote unquote good Republicans are the ones that he says will do what he wants. So just to boil that down as simple as possible in parenting terms, do what I say or else. Or else you're an extreme MAGA Republican who must be stopped because you are literally threatening the soul of America. Once again, threats to the Republic get thrown in jail or more. That's what happens when you commit acts of treason, period. Like, this is apparently what Biden is accusing half the country of doing. And he says that there are more of us than there are of you, so watch out. That's why respected conservatives like Federal Circuit Court Judge Michael Ludwig has called Trump and the extreme MAGA Republicans, quote, a clear and present danger to our democracy. But while the threat to American democracy is real, I want to say as clearly as we can, we are not powerless in the face of these threats. We are not bystanders in this ongoing attack on democracy. There are far more Americans, far more Americans, from every every background of belief, who reject the extreme MAGA ideology than those that accept it. So all of a sudden, we have turned this into a very strong us versus them, or me versus you, or whatever it is. A clear and present danger is a really big problem for a nation. If it is a clear and present danger, how are you going to deal with it? This is quote-unquote othering at the highest degree. You are a bad person because you're not letting me have my way and do whatever I want in government, and therefore you must disappear. I don't know how else to put this. I don't know how else to hear this. I mean, you tell me if I'm out to lunch on this. I'm just playing the words he said for you, and you can make your own decision here. But when he says, there's more of us than there are of you, what does that mean? Let's hear the next clip. It's in our hands, yours and mine, to stop the assault on American democracy. I believe America is at an inflection point, one of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. And now America must choose to move forward or to move backwards, to build a future or obsess about the past, to be a nation of hope and unity and optimism, 
are a nation of fear, division, and of darkness. MAGA Republicans have made their choice. They embrace anger. They thrive on chaos. They live not in the light of truth, but in the shadow of lies. But together, my God, together we can choose a different path. We can choose a better path forward to the future. A future of possibility. So, again, on the one hand, he's saying we need hope and unity and optimism, which I like. I like all of those things. But on the other hand, he's saying you can have darkness and division and lies. So again, the party of hope and unity and optimism has more or less sponsored riots in the streets and the dark division lies are please don't kill babies and stop burning down churches. I I am literally at a loss at this point. Biden is apparently saying, apparently, if you oppose this, as I stand here in demonic red flanked on both sides with military, saying, I will stop you, and we must stop you with the full force of the military and weight behind me and the force of the government. I don't know how else to take this. He claims he is for unity. He claims he is for peace and prosperity. But at the same time, he functionally has demonized anybody who disagrees. This is very strong language. Let's keep going. It honors our Constitution. We do not reject it. This is a nation that believes in the rule of law. We do not repudiate it. This is a nation that respects free and fair elections. We honor the will of the people. We do not deny it. And this is a nation that rejects violence as a political tool. We do not encourage violence. We are still an America that believes in honesty and decency and respect for others. Patriotism, liberty, justice for all, hope, possibilities. We are still at our core a democracy. So this administration rejects violence except for apparently when they want it. Again, see the riots of 2020 and beyond and the violence in the streets in almost every major city in America right now that they don't apparently want to do anything about. And remember, pro-life clinics, churches, other centers have been bombed, vandalized, set on fire, and the government has literally done nothing about it. And remember, there was a person who tried to assassinate a sitting Supreme Court judge, and the administration just kind of scoffed at it and said, well, you shouldn't have voted against Roe in the first place. And Biden says, on the one hand, I oppose political violence. And on the other hand, I oppose those who don't agree and label them domestic terrorists. Remember, the Department of Justice under Biden's lead called parents domestic terrorists who just wanted to stop schools from putting sexually graphic content into the classroom and the library. And of course, most recently, the FBI under Biden's lead just raided the home of a former president and current political adversary. This seems like political violence uh, in certain senses. And, and of course, BLM, the riots, the members of government bailing out rioters, there's a lot going on all around. And then we get to this clip that I started with. This is where it is in the timeline. And again, I had to clip this because it's too long, but go and watch the whole thing. You don't have to believe me. I'm trying not to clip out of context. These are just the words that he says. Here's the soul of America one more time. We, the people, we, the people, these two documents and the ideas they embody equality and democracy 
are the rock upon which this nation is built. It honors our Constitution. We do not reject it. This is a nation that believes in the rule of law. We do not repudiate it. This is a nation that respects freedom. Sorry about that. I hit the wrong button. Anyway, you get the idea. He says, this is a battle for the soul of America. The best way to preserve democracy is not checks and balances and limited government, according to him. The best way to preserve democracy is to give Joe Biden more power. Apparently. Right? And finally, to steal my own thunder, Biden urges everyone to keep the faith. So I just have to play this clip. If we do our duty in 2022 and beyond, then ages still to come will say, we, all of us here, we kept the faith. We preserved democracy. We heeded our worst. We, we heeded not mm-hmm. our worst instincts, but our better angels. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that, but keep the faith. Anyway, here's the bottom line takeaway. This government just doesn't seem to care about you. They don't really want freedom or liberty or rule of law. They want power and control and will demonize you to the rest of the country if that means they get what they want. What you need to understand is that the church is really the conscience of the nation. But for too long, the church has given up on its responsibility, choosing instead to be something like nice. This has led to the government broadly and certain leaders specifically believing that they really are the source of authority, the source of morality instead of God. We've seen many examples of this. I've given examples of this. You can even, like, if you don't believe any of this that has just been said, look at abortion and family and marriage and economy and a bunch of other things where they believe they have the morality to be able to choose whatever they want to do. And I was going to say, throwing God out the window. While the government is according to God's kingdom, given the privilege of protection, order, and rule of law, Romans 13, etc. Christ is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Revelation 1-7, Matthew 28-18. When the government acts out of turn in attempt to create its own morality, the church and Christians are tasked with calling out the missteps. Read Moses, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, many of the Old Testament prophets, Peter, Paul, and of course, Jesus himself. I must also note that throughout history... This calling of calling out the unruly government came with great cost and will likely be no different this time around. I'll end with this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. If we follow him, we must also live in the way, speak the truth, live the life. To do otherwise, even in the interest of being nice, is not the way. I hope this has been helpful to understand where this government is going and you're free to disagree with me. Let me know if I am off in any way. I am just trying to present for you what this government is just literally saying and how we're supposed to interpret it in light of God's reality and God's kingdom. So thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. Like, subscribe, share, do all the things. And for Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard. And as I always say, keep the faith.